Hey, it's Mark K. Happy Valentine's Day. Welcome to the podcast. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty. We're going to get down and dirty. We're going to get into all the business. The biggest threat to our civilization. It's not what you may think. It's something totally different. I'm going to tell you what it is and how we can all work together to thwart it. But first, again, so we can so we can keep doing this every day. 60 seconds. That's all I ask. We'll be back in 60 seconds. The Mark K. Show starts next. What? <laughs> Hello! How are you? Happy Valentine's Day! Happy, look, I have a Valentine's, my wife gave me a Valentine's Day mug because she loves me. Sometimes I think she's the only one. So, sometimes I think she's the only, my kids love me too, but only because I give them money and food. Anyway, what's up everybody? Uh, man, I'll tell you what, I'm not feeling the love, I don't know about you, but I am not feeling the love on this Valentine's Day, are you? If you are, you know what? Hey, you could help me feel the love. Why don't you share this broadcast right now? Go ahead and and that if you love somebody and you think they need a little bit of inspiration, a little pick me up, a little a little break in the middle of the day because well, where I am, it's the middle of the day. Where you are, it could just be you could just be waking your ass up. But uh, but you know, this would be this would be a great gift to give somebody uh, who likes you know a little who's who's into upbeat conversation, who wants to know what's going on in the world and how they can better themselves and their families' lives. All those wonderful things. Uh, so go ahead and hit the share button for me. Hit the like button. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Also, oh, look at you guys. Aren't you sweet? Wishing that with the happy Valentine's Day. This is fantastic. This is such This is such great news. You know, there's so much going on in the world. But before we get into any of that, before we get into what's going on in the world, before we get into any of the news of the day, which I'll be honest with you, is kind of light. Uh, there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple things I want to mention. First of all, uh, thank you again. Oh, I forgot. You know what? I had a special gift for everybody, but I to- I left it at work. Shh, son of a... Anyway, so uh, yeah, I left. I, I had a special gift for everybody. I, I left it at work. I will bring it in tomorrow, and then I will uh, get, I will tell you exactly how you can get it too, because you know I like to share the love, and I like and I want you guys to feel important, and I want you to feel protected, and I want your family to be protected, and I want you to know that I'm looking out for you. So uh, tomorrow, it's not chocolate. Ron, it's not chocolate. You're going to get plenty of chocolate today, I guarantee. Uh, Rhonda's birthday is today. Happy birthday, Rhonda. You know, my daughter's birthday is tomorrow. And ever since I had my daughter, don't get me wrong, love her. Wouldn't trade her for for the world, but uh, you know, ever since uh, my daughter's birthday, ever since she was born on February fifteenth, February fourteenth, which is Valentine's Day, has kind of taken a back seat. <laughs> which again, not too shabby for me because less I have to do with the wife. There's always some kind of birthday party for my daughter we're planning for, so there's not so much with the going out or the special trips or anything like that. We ch- we share cards today. I got the special mug, which was nice. Uh, but you know, and but but then I thought about it and I was like, I hope my boy, my my boy, I hope I hope my boyfriend remembers Valentine's Day. <laughs> no, I said I, I hope that my daughter's future boyfriends don't cop out the way I do. I hope they don't go, well, Valentine's Day is the 14th and your birthday is the 15th, so let's just go out one time. Or let me just get you one pair of diamond earrings. So I really need to, I probably should, I probably should be better at differentiating between the two days just so my daughter knows not to settle for some D-bag who's going to try to roll it all up together uh, into one celebration. Because uh, you know what, my, I'm, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. Pardon me. Uh, by the way, speaking of Valentine's Day, I wrote a blog post on my uh, on my website, markk.com, if you want to go check it out, about the, the origin of Valentine's Day. And, if you, and I want you to listen because this is very, very important. 
This is very, this is an important story. And not a lot of people know this. People think Valentine's Day is about the cards and it's about candies. And if you go to school, it's about, you know, the kids, which by the way, I should, I should probably get your thoughts on this. It's about the kids putting Valentine's Day cards in now everybody's box because much like the participation trophies, you can't just pick and choose who you really like. You have to pretend to like everybody which is one of the big problems in society today, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, and it, so that's what Valentine's Day is all about. But when you look into the history of, of Valentine's Day as a holiday, it is gruesome and gory and dark and evil. And it's more really like an episode of The Walking Dead than it is an episode of The Bachelor. Well, I'm going to be completely honest with you. If you read up on Valentine's Day, if you learn the history of Valentine's Day, it's less like Nick giving a rose to a beautiful model in a bikini and more like, uh, you know, that dude with the with the club smashing Glenn's head in in a circle uh, of mud, that, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, the, you, uh, spoiler alert, by the way. Sorry, if you, if you didn't know Glenn got, got his head crushed. Um, he does. <laughs> I should probably I should probably have said spoiler alert before I spoiled the ending to that show. But let's talk about Valentine's Day because here's where it comes from. And a lot of people may not know this, but Valentine's Day comes from it's an ancient holiday. It dates back to Roman times when uh, Christianity was not the norm. If you will, the Romans were still in charge. They had these kind of uh, paganish Roman celebrations. One of them was called Fallopolinia, or I know it was something, it was this weird, bizarre celebration where men and women would come together and the men would kill dogs and hogs and sheep and things like that. And they would skin them and they would take the pelts. And then the women would line, by the way, everyone's completely naked because that's how they rolled in ancient, uh, in ancient Rome. That's how they, everyone was totally nude. So then they would take, like, I, a dude would take this pelt of this dog and a woman would walk up to him and he'd go, oh, and he'd beat her with the pelt which she appreciated at the time because apparently it was a sign of fertility and virility. And the, I guess the harder or the more he beat her with this dead sheep pelt or dead dog pelt or something, the more fertile she was. And then what they would do is they would all put their names, all the women's names would go into like a pot and, and the men would pick out the name and that would be your partner. You would be coupled up for, you know, the whole naked uh, pelt beating festival. And then after that, after that, a lot of times people just stayed married because, I mean, I guarantee, I don't, I, mean, I don't know what happened during the pelt beating festivals, but it, 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 yeah, it was very aphrodisiac. It sounds romantic, says MHZ. Yes, it was, it, was very, it was very romantic at the time. But then Christianity kind of creeped in and, you know, Christians had a very different sense of, of romance and love and communion between a man and a woman. And, well, marriage is one of the... Um, you know, it's one of the, uh, what do you go, sacraments. And God said, let man and woman and Adam and Eve and all that. So they, so, so marriage was the thing. But the Romans uh, not only had these weird pagan beliefs, but also were very militant. And the Roman emperors believed that single men made better soldiers. Single men made better soldiers. So what they did was they passed a law and they said, no more marriage, soldiers. No more, you cannot get married. We want single men only. Single men only uh, because they make better soldiers. Apparently they had, they had less to lose or more to fight for or whatever. And so couples that wanted to get married had to get married in secret. And one of the people who dedicated their lives to marrying Christians in secret during the, the, the Roman, Holy Roman Empire's reign was Valentine. He wasn't St. Valentine. People always call him St. Valentine. Uh-uh. 
It's like you can't call toast toast before you put it in the toaster. You put bread in the toaster, you hit the button, toast comes out. First, you're Valentine, and then later after you die, you become Saint Valentine. So that's, that's how it works. So this dude, Valentine, and he was a bishop or a clergyman, whatever. And he would go around. It was almost like Braveheart. Remember in Braveheart how William Wallace didn't want the uh, prima nocte? He didn't want the, the king sleeping with his bride because that was, that was part of the deal as king. I mean, that's why they say it's good to be the king. You could go around to all the weddings and demand, demand that the wife, uh, the first night that you're married, your wife has to sleep with the king. And, and, uh, and William Wallace didn't want that. So they got married in secret. Uh, this was similar Except you just got married in secret because it was illegal to do so otherwise. And I think you'd just be killed. Uh, and nobody nobody wanted that. So they, so Valentine would marry people in secret. Eventually what happened is the Romans found out about it because they always do. I don't know if, I don't know if their servers were hacked. I don't know if someone bugged their, their, you know, their, their helmets or the, like maybe in the, the, the little broom thing they had on the top. Of the, anyway, uh, or was that Trojans? Uh, it doesn't matter. So anyway, the, the Romans found out and they, and the emperor uh, grabbed Valentine and threw him in jail. And apparently the story goes, he was, he was abused and he was tortured and he was stoned, not the good kind, but the kind where they actually take stones and physically throw them at you till you die. And then after all that, he was beheaded and, uh, and he died, which is very important because without dying, you cannot actually become a saint, which is why I've never wanted to be a saint. People, people, people say, why do you act the way you do? Hey, I would much rather be a sinner with my head than a headless saint is all I'm saying is sinners live longer than saints. Saints usually die early. And uh, for some reason that is way less selfish than the reasons that I'm living for. So anyway, so then, so St. Valentine gets killed. And then later on, he becomes this, the patron saint of love and lovers. And what happened was this dark evil story of, of criminality and murder and death and treachery and, and, and the, and the, uh, I mean, really this, 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 this horrible end to this, to this wonderful, holy man, it got kind of twisted by the poets, which poets will always do that. They'll always take something and they'll, they'll make it sweeter than it is. And the first one was Geoffrey Chaucer. And the second one was this dude, William Shakespeare. And they started to, you know, they picked up on the fact that it was mid-February when, when, uh, when Valentine or St. Valentine was beheaded. So they started writing about it. And he was the patron saint of lovers and schmoozy schmooze. They were all just trying to get women into bed. FYI, Chaucer, Shakespeare, that's all they wanted. They were just trying to get women into bed, which is why they wrote all the, I mean, no one writes 5,000 sonnets for fun. All right. When I was in school, I had to write one sonnet for work for like uh, an assignment. And it was horrible. It was horrible. So, uh, so anyway, so they, and then they really kind of made this big, huge holiday out of it. And now today, Valentine's Day is celebrated with mushy cards and chocolate. And it's really the celebration of the, of a man who was, uh, stoned and beheaded by the Romans for marrying Christians in secret, which was against the law. And we celebrate it with, uh, you know, red coffee mugs and roses. Ah. So they were just being men, says Victoria. Yes, that's correct. Billy Joel says only the good die young. Speaking of poets, yes, Miriam, that is that is correct. So anyway, that's where Valentine's Day comes from. And it, it brings up a great question about your beliefs and your belief system. And I'm not saying that you're a saint because odds are you aren't. If you were a saint, you'd be... I don't know, working right now instead of watching me on Facebook or listening to me on the podcast or whatever you were, whatever you'd be doing. Let's just face it. If I were a saint, I'd be out helping some sick leper somewhere. 
I don't even know if we have lepers anymore, but if they were, that's what I'd be doing. Uh, so, so we're not saints, but we all have a belief system. And every now and then, that belief system can come under attack. And it can be challenged. And that belief system can be challenged by people in a position of power above us. A king, or an emperor, or a senator, or a president. Or somebody who wants to be president. All of our belief systems can be challenged by people in power. In fact, people in power are most often the ones to challenge our belief systems because they have power. And the other people that can challenge our belief systems are friends, co-workers, family members who, again, think that they may have some power over you. You know, just because you gave birth to me doesn't mean I have to believe what you believe. Uh, you know, just because we share the same blood doesn't mean we share the same ideas or morals. Uh, and oftentimes, uh, people in the same family unit will have two distinctly different belief systems and both will think that they are exactly right. And so the, the power of your beliefs is very, is very strong. And while St. Valentine went to prison uh, and died for his beliefs while he got beheaded, most of us hopefully will not need to prove our belief system and our moral values and uh, you know whatever else drives us in our daily life, our compass, if you will, our soul compass. Most of us will not have to face that kind of that kind of hurdle. I mean, I guess death is more than a hurdle. <laughs> it's kind of like a cul-de-sac. Uh, but you know, we won't have to face those kinds of horrible things in our lives because of our belief systems. Knock on wood. I mean, some people, well, there was a poor guy. Uh, you, you remember the, uh, the guy on Facebook Live who was mentally challenged and was kidnapped and, and tortured live on Facebook because of his belief system. And there are, you know, there are other people that are attacked because of their belief system or because of the statements that they make publicly and or privately. But the fact of the matter is, whatever your beliefs are, like St. Valentine, you got to stand up for them. And you've got to make sure that if they really drive you, if you're really passionate about it, if it's something that you believe wholeheartedly, then you have to believe it wholeheartedly. And you can't back down from it. Now, I'm not saying you have to get up on a soapbox or on Facebook or on YouTube and spew it out every day. But I'm saying that that's the lesson from St. Valentine. How far are you willing to go? For your beliefs. Are you willing to lose friends? Are you willing to lose likes on Facebook? Are you willing to lose money or clients? Are you willing to uh, lose, you know, gosh, you know, uh, your uh, relationships with family members? I, I think a lot of people fear that. A lot of people fear that they will not fit in. And I think, in as I put in the title, that is the greatest threat to our society today. That is the greatest threat to civilization. And that is why we are encountering so much of this animosity toward each other. It's the fear of not fitting in. I feel like that, and if I could teach my children anything, if I could teach them anything, first of all, uh, it would be uh, how to cook and drive and uh, balance my checkbook because I like to cook, but sometimes it's time consuming. Uh, Uber is just getting expensive and I haven't been able to balance my checkbook in like 40 years. But if I could teach them anything, it would be never fear being yourself. Never fear standing out because I think that people have this fear that they will not fit in. And the fear of not fitting in is the most detrimental, not just to a single person, not just to you or to me or to our kids, but the fear of fitting in is also detrimental to society. Because whenever I see a mob of angry people anywhere in this world, 
angry, uh, you know, yelling about this, screaming about that, breaking this. Whenever I get emails or, or videos or messages from people, whenever I see on Twitter people ganging up or hashtags, hashtags are a perfect example. All of these things are people piling on, getting into a group, uh, that mob mentality, because they are just afraid, so afraid of being different, of standing out, of not fitting in. And I believe that the fear of not fitting in is what's going to be the downfall of, uh, of, of, of this civilization. It definitely will be a personal. I guarantee uh, there's a ton of people out there that have personal downfalls. And the reason is because they didn't want to, they wanted to fit in. I mean, how many times do you watch Dateline and you see like a group of teenagers that are hauled into court because they did some horrible thing to somebody and one of them was like, I just went along with it. I, you know, it was all his fault. I just was there and all their lives are ruined and all their lives are ruined. I mean, there's so many times that people will, you know, look at these mass walkouts at schools. There are so many kids, they would walk out of school for whatever reason you know, they're all leaving school. Not a good idea. You're going to get in trouble. And they're doing it because they don't want to be seen as the loser who stayed in school when everyone else was walking out to make a statement about God knows what. The irony is that the people who don't care and don't fit in and have no fear of fitting in and could be like the hailed it as an, uh, they could be totally ostracized. They could be hailed it as a weirdo, as a freak, as a total anomaly, as an egomaniac, whatever. The people that just don't care about what the crowd is doing or saying, the people that do their own thing are the ones who are most successful in the end anyway. There's an old saying, I'm not a woman, so it doesn't pertain to me, but uh, there's no, I forget who said it. I think it was, I want to say it was Eleanor Roosevelt. I could be totally off base. If somebody knows, put it in the comments, but it, it was basically, uh, they, the, the, um, now I've forgotten the quote, something like uh, good girls never make his, or well-behaved woman never makes history. That's what it is. Well, behave. I'm going to Google it so I get it right. We women never make history. And that is a fact, not just for women, but for everybody. Well-behaved women, who did I say, Eleanor Roosevelt? No. Oh, yes, it was Eleanor Roosevelt. Also sometimes attributed to Marilyn Monroe. But I'm guessing that Eleanor Roosevelt said it first because she was way older. Uh, so, And that kind of, that goes for anybody. You know, there's another old saying, I think it was Mark Twain, a ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are made for. Yeah, if you want to hang out with a bunch of ships that aren't doing anything, go hang out in the harbor. And maybe if they all decide to leave, you can leave too. And maybe if that happens, you'll get to see some amazing things and you'll get to have some really incredible experiences. But if you just say, screw it, y'all stay in the harbor. I'm going to go check out the rest of the world. You may get ostracized. You may get ridiculed. They may forget about you. Probably they won't, but it doesn't matter because you are going to do really, really, really amazing and incredible things. And if you open a newspaper, if you go online or if you watch the news or if you do any of these things and you hear about some kind of problem in the world, if you hear about some kind of problem in the world, I guarantee you can relate it back to somebody doing something because they wanted to fit in. Somebody somewhere did something because they wanted to fit in. And if you look at the successes, if you look at the people who are, who are disrupting, if you look at the people who are really making a difference, who are twisting the world on their, on their, on their heads, on its head and saying, ah, now we're going to do it this way and really making a difference, really making things amazing, making things great. Those are the people who just don't care. 
Not only do they not care about fitting in, but they don't care if people ridicule them. They're the St. Valentines. They don't care if you throw me in prison and behead me. These people have a right to be married in the eyes of God, in my opinion. That's my belief. And I will fight for that, uh, even if it means being beheaded. Fun fact, by the way, if you want to see St. Valentine's head, it's on display in Rome in a basilica. The actual, they have his skull. Uh, Speaking of The Walking Dead, they have his skull. It's in a little gold box. It says Valentine. They like put a they put a sticker like like a piece of masking tape on it and wrote Valentine or Valentino or whatever the Italian. And it's there in Italy. And you can and people come from all over the world to go look at Saint Valentine's skull because they're celebrating a guy who is sainted in the church because he uh, refused to play by the rules. And you know, and it's not a lot of people. I don't blame a lot of people because you know what happens. Uh, society will teach you. You get a lot of mixed messages. I get them too. You get a lot of mixed messages. One mixed message is, you know, you always hear, uh, we want something different. Don't just give me the same answer. Uh, You know, what is it? Oh, disrupt the norm. God, I've been to so many seminars where they teach you to disrupt the norm. Disrupting the norm is now like the norm. But then what happens when you go out and try to disrupt the norm is that everyone comes down on you and they browbeat you and they're like, you can't do that. And I go, why not? I go, it's not normal. And I go, but we were taught to disrupt the norm. We were taught that disruptors make history. We were taught we were taught to look at something and say, how can this be totally different? And then do it. And then they come to you and say, yeah, but you know what? We don't like that. We want it to be this way because this is the way we've always done it. And this is the way, and we make money doing it this way. And we're scared that we're not going to make money doing it another way. They always tell you what? Oh, here. They, look, you know what this is? I got this from the garage. This is a box. Okay, this happens to be a wine box because Sauvignon Blanc, because, well, we drink a lot of wine. And they tell you what? What do you hear all the time? Think outside the box, right? That's it. Look, I'm out. I'm right now. I'm not. I'm outside the box. (laughs) How many times have we been told, think out, you walk into a meeting, think outside the box. So then you think outside the box and you know what happens? They look at you and they go, get back in the friggin' box. What are you doing? Why are you outside the box? Clearly, we no. We you said you wanted me outside the box. No, we want you in the box. Get back. This is what they want. This is and this is what we're we're all taught one thing. I got to put the microphone in the box, otherwise nobody will hear me. We're all taught one thing, but the opposite is totally true. They want you so far in the box that your sweat smells like cardboard. And and the fact of the matter is, sometimes someone comes along and they take a knife and they basically just say to hell with the box. And they cut big holes in it. And they, I'm going to cut myself, and then I'm going to be bleeding on Facebook. And then, and look, and they, and they just, ow, that was close. They, this is this box is a lot tougher than I am, FYI. And so this is what. And then look, so you cut an opening in the box, and they say, "There's no more box. Everybody think outside." There you go. That's what I'm going to. That's what I'm going to teach my kids. I'm going to teach my kids to get a wine box. Uh, empty it, get all the get all the wine out of it first. Put it in the fridge, and then take a big knife, although not a real knife because I don't want them to cut themselves, and just slice the box up so that there's no way you can ever uh, get back in it again. That's it. that that's the biggest problem with our with our country today and our civilization as a whole is that the people who the people who cause the biggest problems are doing it for one reason and one reason only, and that is because they want to fit in. And fitting in, I think, is probably the worst thing that could happen to somebody. And it's definitely the worst thing that could happen to a society. And and I think it's also the scariest. Uh, not fitting in. 
people look at people who don't fit in or, or you know, say, hey, look, no, we're, it's not working. We got to get out of this box like pronto. We got to we got to ditch it. We got to torch this box because this box sucks. Those are the people that uh, that, you know, are, are the most successful, but also are the most feared in every industry. In every industry, in the music industry, in the film industry, in the in the uh, writing industry, in the political in the political industry, which it's an industry, by the way, don't get me wrong. Even in the broadcasting industry, every every industry, automakers, the people that come in and say, "Look, whatever's normal, we need to scrap that. We got to do something different uh, because it's not working." Those are the people that are the most feared, and society will tr- they'll tell you to be that way, and then as soon as you are. They will turn on you like that. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> that's, that's my Valentine's Day. That's my Valentine's Day message. Jackie Orp says, color outside the lines. That's what's taught. That's what is taught in school. The successful people will never fit in the box and they never colored right. That sounds racist, but I know that it's not. Uh, I want to stand out, not fit in. Didi Delker, 911. Oh, because you thought I was going to cut myself. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I have cut myself, by the way. I know, I know first, I was a Boy Scout. I know first aid. Uh, let's see what else we got. Too much outrage with the entertainment industry in Washington. What are they trying so hard to protect? Outrage, again, on any side, anywhere in the world, in any industry, when you see outrage, it's because somebody somewhere is not fitting in. And that's why people get mad at that person. That's why people get mad at that person. They'll, they'll, you know, what in school they call them, uh, they call them what weirdos or geeks or nerds or somebody who does it. What is what's the name? You know, I'm trying to think of all the names I was called in high school. <laughs> Dweeb, uh, loser, all that. And basically, it's because they don't fit into the norms, and that angers and frustrates people. Uh, ha! Did you just say y'all? I may have said y'all, but I grew up in North Carolina. Well-behaved women rarely make history. Marilyn Monroe. Well-behaved women rarely make history. Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, well, which one is it? Well, so they all said it, but they put the hyphen in a different place. Jenna Brunson's giving me three different quotes. I'm sorry, the same quote from three different women. Uh, hey, Mark, can I get a shout out? I'm from Wisconsin. Shout out to Michael Vadner from Wisconsin, everybody. Uh, hey, Mark from Kentucky. Follow the leader, the leader, the leader. It occurs to me that as you described it, Valentine's Day was a protection of the sanctity of marriage for Christians in a similar way that the Maccabees motivated the Jews to fight the ancient Syrian Greeks over the sanctity of marriage, Shabbat, and other aspects of religion. Miriam, I can't think about the word Maccabees without thinking of that episode of Friends where the Maccabees. So thank you for that because that made my day. Um, is he related to Errol? Oh, you're. <laughs> I know what you guys are talking about. Anyway, listen, I gotta, I gotta wrap it up. I gotta keep it short today because I have to go. I don't know. I have to go do Valentine's Day. I have to go do Valentine's Day stuff. Uh, also, it's my daughter's birthday tomorrow, and I have to make a cake and a lasagna. And I'm sure that I have to. I'm sure that I have to wrap some presents. There was a Helen Keller quote too, uh, that was really good. Helen Keller said something. Well, I guess she. Didn't, okay, I guess she didn't say it. Well, she, I mean, I guess what? God, yeah, how does how does Helen? Well, it's a quote. It's a quote that I guess isn't a direct quote, but it's like attributed to. She communicated it some way. And she said, life is either a great adventure or nothing at all. I'm going I'm to Google. I'm going to Google how, how we know she said that. Anyway, uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Love you. Bye.